say that it seems that people who are in real estate investing are very focused on helping one another. Yes, we've had the occasional person who's doing that, but the overall theme has been people want to see people grow and really do good things. And nobody's really in competition. People are sharing information, sharing contacts, giving advice. And it seems, I don't know if you guys have seen that as well, but it really seems to be the theme in real estate investing. You know, has that been my experience of the real estate industry writ large? Not necessarily. I think that maybe because you guys done this uh, legwork to create these communities that are there for the purpose of helping others free Mm -hmm. of charge and on a voluntary basis, I think that probably puts you guys in contact with people who have that ethos about them. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends. Grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here today with Angela Dupuy and Maggie Caron, and we're excited to talk today about some of the groups that they've started, one for women and one more general networking group. So just by way of introduction, Angela is a full-time real estate investor who does joint ventures and specializes in New Brunswick, and she just recently started the Real Estate Investing Goddess Network, which we're going to hear about a bit later in the podcast. Maggie Maggie is also an investor who's more focused on single family homes. And she started the group Real Estate Investors of Montreal. How long has it been, Maggie, since you started the group? So I started that in October 2020. Okay. And I guess uh, both of these ladies, you know, wanted to connect with like-minded women in Canada. And that was kind of their goal behind starting the RAIN network. Do you want to just make maybe start with Angela and then go to Maggie? Just tell us a little bit about how you run your business and then how that turned into wanting to start a Facebook group. Sure. Well, I left my job of almost 16 years with Randstad. I was an area vice president and was managing offices from Ottawa to uh, Nova Scotia. So it was a very social job, super like around people all the time. And I left that to do real estate investing full time and found myself really missing social interaction and teamwork. So I started joining all of the groups and asking to have calls with everybody who was in real estate investing. I had been doing it for 15 years, but knew like two other people who did it. And it was just not something that I had a network around me. So I started reaching out to people. One of them was Maggie. She was the admin for the Real Estate Investors of Montreal group. So I was interested in talking to her and we really hit it off. So for me, essentially, it started out of loneliness and desire to connect with other people. 
Yeah, I'd have to say it's kind of similar for me. So around 2020, October, I was looking for other investors and I tried to find some other Facebook groups and I found some, but some of the groups were basically kind of set up to like funnel coaching programs. And it really wasn't what I was looking for. I was really looking just to connect with other people. I had previously opened a Facebook group for plants, another one of my passions. And so I said, okay, why not for real estate investing? So I opened uh, Real Estate Investors of Montreal. And like Angela said, we connected uh, shortly thereafter and we decided to start a weekly meetup. So that was uh, really fun. We had like huge growth. Everybody was coming back week after week. Lots of people were really giving us uh, really good feedback saying like, we love this. It's the highlight of our week. We've been doing it for quite a while. And then just recently towards the end of this year is when we decided to open the women's group. Okay. I'm just curious, like, what's it like being admin on a big group like Real Estate Investors of Montreal? You know, it's kind of cool because I remember when you started it, Maggie, I remember you like posted the celebration when there were like 200 followers or something. And now how many do you have? So we have 2.7. Right now we're at that stage with the other group. We only have 340 followers. So uh, (laughs) we'll see. Hopefully it's going to grow with the same speed. But yeah, it's great. I actually have to say, I think I like the groups when they're a little bit smaller. Once it's starts to get too big, you kind of start to lose who the members are. And I like being able to recognize who's making the posts and and like knowing their background. So the bigger it gets, it it gets a little bit more challenging to do that. Maggie's Um, really, really good at growing the groups. So she puts quite a bit of effort into inviting people who could be good members for the group. And she recently started an Instagram page for the group. And she's been growing that and posting regularly. We're currently looking for someone to help us grow the social media for these groups because it is pretty time consuming. And as much as Maggie's really good at it, I don't think it's her favorite thing to do, but it takes a lot of work. So I just started one in Moncton because that's where I invest. So I started a group in Moncton with another female real estate investor in Moncton. And I think the group's at 120 people because we don't have Maggie reaching out to people (laughs) inviting them to join, trying to grow it. I was going to say something about our book clubs. We're talking about that because uh, this week we had a book club and the book that we did was Who Not How. So Angela is saying that, uh, yeah, I, I managed to put some time and effort into growing it. But now I'm looking for the who to help us grow it more. <laughs> so we want to kind of pass that over. So it's fun. Our groups have kind of morphed in not just real estate, but it's also like personal growth mindset. You know, we're talking about other things than real estate. It's really like kind of like an entrepreneur group where people are looking to better themselves. So that's been interesting to see. And so like, I'm curious also in terms of what people get out of being members of a group like this, like, let's say I'm not the biggest fan of social media. So like, I try to stay off there as much as possible, but like, let's say somebody who wants to, you know, get involved themselves or educate themselves, what kind of benefits do they see from joining a Facebook group like this? I think lots. What I felt and what we're hearing other people feel, it's a, a sense of community And it's a safe place where people can come and ask questions. Like another reason why we started this was because when we were both independently looking for groups to be part of, oftentimes we'd, I would log in and you would be like a little dot in the background and it wasn't interactive. So we prioritize because we think there's a lot of value in hearing from everybody and interacting with everybody. Everyone's free to ask questions. We've got people with various levels of experience. There's always somebody who has a question to the answer. 
So we help each other out in that way. We've become friends. I mean, we started an accountability group on WhatsApp on the side. The core group of us from the Montreal group are on this WhatsApp feed and we share things with each other and it's become our team. And that's what people can benefit. They like can join a team and benefit from everybody else's experience without having to pay mm-hmm. and without having to sit through, like we do have guest speakers sometimes, but we really make it a priority for it to be very interactive. And yeah. I would guess also without anyone like necessarily marketing their services, right? Because right. like you say, there's this fact that if you want advice, like sometimes you might have to pay for it, but it's also that like people give answers depending on kind of what their ax to grind is. Yeah, we don't have any of that. I mean, we have people doing various different strategies in real estate investing and private lending. And there's not that much self-interest. It's really like in the spirit of development. Yeah. And last year we had it where we were just coming every week and we were just talking about whatever we felt like we wanted to talk about. And one of the members had actually mentioned to us like, hey, maybe you want to put a little bit more structure into this. So we focused this year on on really kind of having somewhat of a schedule. So like we're doing a book club once a month. We're going to have a guest once a month. We're going to have like two open discussions where, you know, we just do whatever. So we're still keeping the feel of being able to just talk about whatever's on top of mind. Um, But this also allows us to put some value add into it. And it's just not everybody shooting the shit. We're actually going. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think especially now also when we're in this thing where, you know, some people are either stuck at home, isolated, or maybe getting together in groups and seeing people physically is is becoming more of a challenge. I like, I think in terms of the, you know, the connection value, I can definitely see the use of that. So now if we transition a little bit, what made you want to start a group for women? I was connecting on the side with a lot of different people. I, it's one of my priorities to connect with as many people as I can on a weekly basis. And I was so inspired by the women that I was getting to know through these calls. Like they were often the ones leading the charge in their household for finances. In fact, we kind of see that as a commonality in the women's group. It's normally the woman at the front in the driver's seat of the real estate investing and the husbands kind of take a back seat if they're husbands. But I was really inspired and I was just learning so much from them. And we didn't really see that translate into the Wednesday group. There's a mix there and we appreciate all the men that are there. But a lot of the women who were speaking up on our private phone calls were not as vocal in these groups. Uh, So that kind of is something that triggered us and said, okay, yeah, well, maybe we can have one uh, a little bit different so that their voices can be heard a little bit more. Does that mesh with your individual experiences as in your real estate investing activities? We always like to ask this question, you know, when we have women who have done something that has a little bit of, I don't want to say feminist, but a little bit of like, you know, exclusive women's groups or things like that. Is there something about your experience as investors that have like made you want to do that? Or has that come more from administering the other Facebook group? Yeah, for me, it hasn't been. Uh, I invest with my sister and our husbands. So it's a team of four, but really it's myself and my brother-in-law who are the main drivers. So I kind of joke sometimes that we're Bill and Sill Realty, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. It hasn't been that for me. So it's a mix in my team and I just didn't really have that connection. What about you, Angela? In all of the interactions that I have in this new job that I've created, they're primarily with men. And 
it's fine. And I haven't had any challenges per se, but every once in a while, when there's a woman involved, I just get a little bit more excited and Mm -hmm. a little bit more inspired. And I don't know why that is maybe because there aren't as many, but it fuels me a little bit more, I would say. Do you think it's a question of like, you know, either having, I don't know, when you say like a positive role models or just the fact that maybe you guys can relate to each other a little bit more? What would you say it is? Go ahead, Angela. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I don't even do that. My background is in international trading. Uh, so buying and selling frozen meats. It's a very male dominated business. Everybody who is uh, strong and powerful is a man in that world. I've been in that industry for 20 years. I worked for a company for about three, four years. And that was the situation. And then I met a lady who had her own trading company. And I went to work for her. And I was working there for 16 years. And it was her and I who kind of ran the charge there. Uh, I was her right hand. So I would definitely say that I've taken her lead in that aspect. Okay. If we switch tax a little bit, you know, I always want to hear like people's anecdotes. And I'm sure that, you know, in administering the group, if we don't like, you know, I don't want to push you uh, if there's any confidentiality issues, but like, do you have any funny anecdotes um, for us about uh, what it can be like to administer a Facebook group of that size? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of one particular member. occasionally we'll get a new member who doesn't know any of the background of any of the core people in the call and we had this one particular one who came in (laughs) mansplaining everything whenever somebody would say something you know I put an offer in he would jump in and say you know you make your money when you buy you have to make sure that uh, you're not overpaying or if somebody would talk about the renos they're doing, he'd be like, you should do high-end renos and market to high-end condo owners. And it's just out of nowhere. And he was over-talking people and interrupting people. And I would say occasionally we have that kind of challenge. I have to say that it seems that people who are in real estate investing are very focused on helping one another. Yes, we've had the occasional person who's doing that, but the overall theme has been people want to see people grow and really do good things. And nobody's really in competition. People are sharing information, sharing contacts, giving advice. And it seems, I don't know if you guys have seen that as well, but it really seems to be the theme in real estate investing. For sure. And that is something like we share everything. We share legal things that we've had to pay for. We'll share inspection reports. We'll share any knowledge or anything that we have with each other. You know, has that been my experience of the real estate industry writ large? Not necessarily. I think that maybe because you guys done this uh, legwork to create these communities that are there for the purpose of helping others free Mm -hmm. of charge and on a voluntary basis. I think that probably puts you guys in contact with people who have that ethos about them. As you go out there and transact, it's not true that everybody who you meet, you know, in the real estate investment field really has everyone else's best interest at heart. But I think it speaks to the value and to like the spirit of your group if you're finding that that's the case, because definitely those kind of people seem to be finding you. So (laughs) sure. You just gave me goosebumps. I mean, we really appreciate our time together and we actually look for any opportunity to spend time together. We've really created something really nice and we love having new people. So just because we have our core people who are joining all of the time, I mean, every time we get a new person, it changes the dynamic. They have something else to offer 
and just growing it is really fun. I wonder now if we can just like get into maybe each of your, a little bit of your backstory, you know, maybe in some of the investing stuff that you do. So Angela, I know you mentioned that you invest in New Brunswick. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what kind of buildings do you do out there? What kind of deals do you do? And why New Brunswick? We have investments in Quebec also, but we are cash flow. That's our priority. We look for buildings that cash flow enough to be able to share the profits with our partners. Our sweet spot is between two and six units. We were doing a lot of burrs over the past year, and now we're still looking for the burr opportunities. And we have a list of partners who want to get in on that because it's such a powerful strategy, but we're also doing some buy and holds. Yeah. What's a burr? A burr is buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. So it's B with four R's. It's the sequence of, of steps that makes it important. So we use private money to purchase a property. And then generally a partner will bring in the renovation money. We fix it up and then we get it refinanced, pay back the private money and the partner gets whatever is left. You're in Montreal. I don't know how much back and forth you do. How do you identify those opportunities? Well, we use every tool. I mean, we deal with wholesalers. We look on our own. My sister and I sent out a thousand letters in the past two weeks. We're starting to get phone calls there. I had somebody call me from BC saying, I hear you buy properties. I'd like to sell you my duplex. So we find properties every way possible. We buy some on market too. We have an agent there. We've been really lucky. I mean, I'm from there and I know uh, a lot of people. I have over 80 first cousins. And a lot of them still live there. My sister works with us and she's kind of the boots on the ground running around and checking and sending us pictures and stuff. It's a great market. The rents are great. The price points are lower. So cash flow is possible. So we decided to go there since the cash flow is better. You know, you're not going to find that in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So before we, we move on to you, Maggie, would you have any tips, Angela, for someone who's looking maybe at investing outside of the market that they live in? Because I think as you know, you know, we're based in Montreal, as we're watching GRMs go up here, I think we're running out of opportunities that do cash flow, like you say. So yeah. what might somebody do if they're interested in exploring some of those opportunities a bit further from home? Well, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of JVs. Find a partner, find a partner who's doing it get in with a partner. I mean, Alberta is also good for cash flow. Identify the market you're most interested in and then find somebody who's already doing the work. I think that's the best advice because a lot of people try and make connections with realtors out East, but realtors have so many people on their lists. And I think you need someone who really is going to work with you as a partner to make sure that the price is right the property management is good. The renovation, the contractor is good, like who has all of those things already in place. Okay. And I'm not the only one who does it out there. There are other people too. <laughs> well, that's it. Whenever there's an opportunity, you're rarely alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Maggie, can you tell us a little bit about your business model? Sure. Uh, so I'm doing uh, single family homes, mainly buy and holds. I've done a few flips, but uh, buy and hold seems to be the way that we're going. So I'm a little bit opposite of Angela. I'm doing it right in my own backyard. I'm investing in West Island. I live in the West Island. I'm actually going after a market, I guess, that's a little bit more challenging because the prices have really appreciated in the last few years. But that has been some of the reasons that I've had some big winners, right? So we purchased a few of our properties 2019 and the appreciation on those properties has just 
you know, gone through the roof. So we feel like geniuses, but really the market is, is helping us along the way. We're usually purchasing around the 400 level, and then we're renting out somewhere around 2,000, 2,500. It's an interesting model because we seem to get like a good quality tenant. I'm doing all my own property management. And honestly, if I get a phone call once a year, that's probably a lot. You know, I'm not hearing from the tenants. Everything is going quite well. Yeah, it's been working great for us. So I'm really curious as, you know, part of my property management practice, like I had a few single family homes once upon a time, mostly South Shore, and it was very, very difficult. And so I'm really curious. And, and you know, this is something that I hear from other investors and managers in Quebec is that specifically that single family home space here because of tenancy laws, because of the tenant pool, because of, you know, a variety of different things, it just ends up being a challenge. So I'm really curious, like it seems a bit unconventional to be doing that in Quebec. I mean, I don't know if it's luck, but we have had like a 0% vacancy. We have somebody in there all the time. Our tenants have been really good. Maybe what I have done, and I don't know if other people are doing this. I'm sure there are, but we are doing a little bit of semi-furnished or furnished rental units. So, you know, maybe it's helpful to have somebody who's in a transition. They're coming from like what our last tenant in a, one of our properties in Beaconsfield was from Fiji. They came with no credit. Actually, she was a world champion uh, netball player. So kind of up your alley, you know, world champion. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but she had no credit here and she was coming with her husband and her two kids. And she's like, look, I don't have anything. I'll show you my bank account. I've got plenty of money to go. I mean, we didn't even do a credit check because there's nothing to check. But the reason why she was happy to go to our place is that it was semi-furnished. She came with her suitcase. They bought some beds and that's all they needed to do. So I actually kind of kept that trend up with a few different properties that we have. And I seem to be catching the people who are going through a transition in their life, whether they're coming internationally or whether they're going through a divorce or something of the sort. Maybe that's what I can attribute to the luck to. I also have another question because I think many investors meet this scalability problem when it comes to like residential properties, right? So five doors and less, eventually you end up running against your personal boring capacity. Well, I have a plan for that. I don't yeah, know. What's your plan? What's your so, plan? <laughs> uh, well, right now we're at eight and the banks are still saying yes. So knock on wood, they're going to continue to say yes for a little while. But once they say no, I heard on a podcast recently that a way to kind of go around that is to get a blanket commercial mortgage. So let's say these eight properties that we have right now, if on the next one, the bank says no, well, then I can look at going to one of the banks and saying, hey, look at this package of eight properties. Let's put it under a commercial mortgage, get that done and free up all my space again, and then start again and build another eight. Okay. Okay. So it's possible to package together the doors yourself. And then like, even if it's not, let's say a sixplex, you can almost create a sixplex out of a bunch of other properties and get a global mortgage. Okay. Good tip. (laughs) Okay. Ladies, I think that's pretty much the questions I have for you today. Is there something that I missed? Is there anything you want to add? No, just uh, if anybody out there is interested in our groups, we meet up Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock for the women's group and we meet up Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. for the mixed group. So everybody is welcome. How can people gain access to it? Should they like the Facebook page? Should they ask to join through Meetup? What's the best way to to do it? The most information that we're going to post is on our Instagram, which is rain underscore Canada. And then, of course, join both Facebook groups, uh, Real Estate Investors of Montreal and RAIN. And RAIN is spelled R-E-I-G-N. Correct. 
real estate investing goddess network. If you can't That's remember right. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies. Well, I want to thank you for sharing this lunchtime with me and uh, with our audience. And hopefully people are going to get some value out of it. Thank you, Terry. It was nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.